Okay, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're here today, and uh, we got a full agenda today. We got um, a bunch of stuff to start off with, but then we're going to talk about stashing some players and some macro trends. And um, we got Jeopardy at the end. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to play a game. Whoever um, guesses the number of tweets that Mike Curland tweets during the episode will get the the first crack at um, the categories in Jeopardy. So if he if he tweets like fifty times, then um, and you guess fifty, then you you'll get the you'll get control of the board to start. So we got Rick and Bjorn here. Yes, and... I wanted to say Zach just real quick. I did. I, I wanted to go ahead and venture a guess, so I get it in before anybody else. I'm going to go ahead. I saw that Mister Kerland actually had seventy two tweets the other day and one full twenty four hour day. Now you might say to yourself, that's a pace that only a maniacal. You know, maybe like somebody in prison or somebody in some kind of a mental asylum or something would do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that he does uh, 65 during the podcast. And before we go any further, I've been tweeting about it all day for the last 24 hours. And I want to say, have you ever wanted to own your very own fantasy baseball content creator? Have you have any interest in non-fungible tokens? Do you know anything about blockchain or Bitcoin? Well, if so, have I got a product for you. Starting out with our bronze tier, for only $5,000, you can own your very own fantasy basketball content creator NFT, and here are the options we have in the bronze tier. We've got the Smarmy Silver, the Vivacious Van Riper, the Wet Waxman. We've got the Silver tier. Uh, the, now, these only cost $10,000. We've got the Juicy Genstad. We've got the erotic Erickson, the vivacious Venancio, the enticing Intrakin, and finally for our gold tier of these non-fungible tokens, these only cost $15,000 to own your very own content creator. We've got scrumptious Settler, we've got a prancing Pollock, we've got succulent Ceres, decadent DiPietro, and my favorite, the zesty Zola. Now, ending off here, uh, the, the, now this is a platinum. This is a super rare. These are currently going for $25,000, okay? Uh, we've got the luscious Lenny Melmoth. That's going to be uh, kind of the god tier uh, that you do get with these non-fungible tokens. So have you ever wanted to have, you know, one of these gentlemen in your pocket, you know, easily accessible right away? Uh, for the small price of only $5,000 up to $25,000, you can own your very own fantasy basketball content creator. This is Rick Poundstone, and this is the Draft Champions uh, podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball NFTs. Wow, thanks. Uh, thanks, Rick. That was uh, fantastic. And we got Curlin here. Oh, what's going on, man? What's going on, Mike? Thanks for joining us today. Anytime I have anytime I have the chance to, you know, get on and shoot the shit with uh Rick and Bjorn, why wouldn't I take that opportunity? Exactly. Um, well plus I feel, you know, the last time I was on here, uh, it's been so long and I feel like you know I finally earned the right to re to just come back on here. I finally, you know, wow. finally deserve it. What it's, did it's, you do? What did you do to do that? Be a piece of shit like I did like I've always been behind the scenes in oh, person. Nice. Okay. <laughs> well that's that's fair. So you uh, I think you commented i didn't know i didn't know if you were serious you wanted to come on because the first segment we have is uh the fantasy baseball community is idiots yes we okay. are so for yeah so the first thing that we have here is um let's talk about the bobby witt jr tweet that uh ryan venancio had 
Can people know the truth that you just sent me the outline and five minutes ago asked, Hey, can you, can you, you want to, you really want to come on? I was like, sure. And I have, so here we are. I'm you don't need to prep for this. this part. <laughs> no, I, I just, well, no you know, this is an all time first for the ja- draft champion on podcast. We had the guests just kind of say, Hey, uh, we're not going to show up on time. So I hate to say we went with a backup plan, but uh, here is Mr. Kurland. <laughs> I'm listen, man. I'm, I'm okay. Anything that gets me on this show, I will take it gladly. I, I appreciate being the backup plan. It's better than not being part of the plan at all. That's See okay. that? That's part of the industry. You learn how to be gracious even in defeat. Yeah, and I, I think the big, <laughs> a big part of the industry is, is just posting your your losses. So it's like it's, posting your losses has has become more important than posting like any victory laps. People just love to do that. It's almost like obligatory now. So the fantasy baseball community are idiots. Let's talk about this, Mike Curlin. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ryan Venancio posted a tweet about Bobby Witt Jr. and how he was on pace for like what was it, twenty seven home runs, forty six stolen bases. I think he's got more now. Um, but people are still referencing the slash line and. and war and whatever shit they want to reference talk about how the fantasy baseball community are idiots well i'm i'm the reason why i'm even speaking about this because i fall within that realm of idiots sometimes at least i have in the past a lot more than i've what What the the hell is going on what's going on damn it bjorn get your shit together man i'm sorry tell me what that it was a woman crying on, on the Twitter. I was trying to look up something um, so I can uh-huh. um, talk to you, Mike. Listen, what you're in, what you're into and what you watch, you might want to keep that separate from the show, man. Yeah, exactly. After Lexus left his ass and is underneath the old uh, <laughs> Mr. Vagenbach under a real man. Wait, Lexus? That's that, that's who left him. That's my ex-wife. Once you've been inside Lexus, you don't want to be inside anything else. But Oh, I, I say that because that's my wife's name. Bjorn, do you want to tell me something? I don't oh believe I've ever met oh your boy. wife. Alexis I is mean, your... This is, it, this is crazy. I mean... Alexis? Um, or is it Alexis, your wife? It's Alexis. I mean, he mentioned... I, I Well, now my Alexis is talking. Look what he did. Look what he did. My, my Alexis is in the background talking. But yes, Bjorn, we're gonna have to, listen, we're going we're, we're gonna to have to discuss this off air. All right. Let's get back to the point in hand about talking about how we as an industry are idiots because we think these some of these stats and shit matter. And they do when you're breaking down players. But at the end of the day, if a player is producing a certain type of skill set, why the fuck are we overthinking it? Like, and I've been guilty of it in the past. And that's why I faded Bobby Witt because I was more so worried about I wasn't really worried about the floor in terms of power and speed, but the counting stats are kind of shit and the batting average. But I I didn't realize just how elite he would be at the power and speed. So I fall into the whole we're kind of idiots thing because we, yeah, some of the, those stats matter. And, and Zach, as much as we like to joke about shit, you realize that these stats do matter in the grand scheme of things. But when it comes to like elite skill sets and talents, like, like for instance, jazz and, now what Bobby Witt same idea these guys were being faded a one was more so because of injury but power and speed was the thing bad teams but opportunities there and sometimes we just overthink it and what Wander was another guy we kind of just not I mean most of us missed all of them this year because we didn't bake into the fact that he's a top prospect that's finally going to grow into his own I, I mean I, I don't think it's I think it's fair that no one no one thought Wander was going to run the way he's run so that's kind of like a thing but all right what really. about what about this what about fantasy baseball community being idiots um thinking they're smarter than the mlb managers everyone's always saying 
Oh, uh-huh. this manager's an idiot. They should be fired. I would do this. Why is Matt Mervis batting behind Iron Cosmer? Like, really? Like, like, that, that, like, are are all these fantasy baseball community guys going to eventually get jobs with the MLB? And they're all they're all so much smarter, right? I mean, I, I mean that part. That's hard. That's just honestly, shut up. Like, honestly, yeah. just just shut up. Like, <laughs> if, if you think you're smarter than the manager. Great. Well, some some of these managers, some of these managers are terrible. Like I don't understand. For fantasy, for instance, yeah. Well, for fantasy, yeah, but like guys like Dusty Baker, the fuck is he doing? Leading off Mauricio Dubon? Yeah, he was hitting three hundred, but he was trash. But even then, he leads him off. He he hits guys like Mauricio Dubon and fucking Hensley ahead of Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker barely cracks the top has four. Henley, has Hensley has Hensley hit ahead of Kyle, Kyle Tucker ever? I don't know. I think I, this. Year, I th- I mean, I threw. I honestly randomly threw a name out there. I think at the beginning of the year we might have seen that. Honestly, but I don't. I can't. I, I was just throwing a name out there because I know Jeremy Pena, who's okay. who's not bad, but you're just trying Pena, to make a point. You're just trying to make a point. I am making. Well, I was right. I'm not wrong about Dubon, McCormick, fucking maybe Jake Myers even this year. I know he did it last year, I believe at times. My point being is that like a guy like that, you question this because it makes no sense because you have this player who's just really damn good, and why are you making a point to bat him fifth because you like him there that much over these guys that you're trotting out there ahead of him that are career utility types bench players that's the type of shit we question and i feel like it's, pro- it's appropriate to question but at the end of the day you're right there's a whole team of guys making i mean who knows what they're making in terms of like money behind the scenes but analytics teams are way smarter than they'll ever be and that's why it's like guys like like guys who say that platoons don't exist then why are the smartest teams in baseball doing it why are the smartest teams in baseball like the rays like the Dodgers, that we all applaud for being so good at this strongly leaning into platoons and platoon splits if they aren't a real thing that's why I don't understand like why we are so willing to push back on things that these smartest teams in baseball are doing. Okay. You know, I must say, I, I, ahead, I just want to say, go ahead, uh, Rick. Go ahead, Rick. Mr. Kurland, and, and I will say, I don't agree with too much with this man. Uh, me and Mr. Kurland are, you know, oil and water, you know, no, we used uh, to be Rick. Ebony and we Ivory. We used to be okay. back, back, back when I gave a shit to kiss ass and not be honest. Okay. I used to, well, I used to, I used to be very, very like I can't say this. Like I watch what I say. I watch who I hang with. I realize, and that's part of the industry, the part that sucks, and why we're idiots because we try to cater and try to pretend to be things that we're really not. Especially, when, and there's a lot of people you know behind the scenes that keep up with a certain front and keep up a certain face that aren't really that way behind the scenes. And for, to a point, I was like that. I was always kind of honest, but you know, I, I am a genuinely nice guy. But I am, I'm also part of me was full of shit for a couple of years trying to make a name for myself in a bullshit industry that's not really what it seems to be from the surface, especially when you're trying to break in from the beginning. I actually have an so, enema. I, I had a pres- point prescribe. to make. Can everybody shut the fuck? I mean, well, you got me on here. You got me on here, dude. You knew I was going to fucking talk. So go ahead. I just wanted to say that Dusty Baker has been a fucking idiot since 2002. I mean, that yeah. Giants team uh, with uh, 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 Barack uh, Bonds that won the World Series. I mean, he had really Dusty Baker was a detractor of that team. He's a fucking idiot. He always has been. And let's just call it what it is. The Houston Astros hired him just because they had to replace um, the cheating guy. So, you know, it's just like a happy face to put on a uh, shit situation anyway. Yeah. Okay. What I want to move on to, and I, what was Bjorn like gonna say? What was yeah. that son of a bitch? Does anybody care say? though? Uh, a piece of shit. Mike. Mike said that he was full of shit, and I told him that as a doctor, I have an enema that I could prescribe to him. I could help Ooh. administer it to alleviate that problem. 
Uh, I wanted to also apologize that when I, I was looking up a hashtag on Twitter, hashtag edging, and a woman came on, and that was that uh -huh. voice you heard. What I should have, I was looking for your site. It's actually hashtag gaining the edge, and that's actually a pretty clean hashtag. There is no adult material there. So uh, kudos on uh, keeping the hashtag no, clean. You, yeah. you, missed, you, missed the, you missed the other one. There, It's actually uh, hashtag fantasy edging. Oh, and uh, it's bet it's a betting resource of sorts. Okay, you're edging right, your bets. We, got, we, we need to move on to this episode. We can't have it like a some sort of like emotional, like fantasy yeah. shit anymore. We want to get to some actual content, so we're gonna move Do on. Do you to though? Because what's your you favorite emoji? I wasn't, even, I wasn't even part of the fucking plan, and you're trying to take it serious all of a sudden. All right, <laughs> well, let's we, go. We're gonna, we're gonna make this serious. Oh, the, speaking of actually, we won't we won't move on yet. Well, let's talk about emojis. Let's talk about grown men using heart eye emojis. When Don't you fucking judge me for that, you motherfucker! Well, <laughs> I know exactly where this is going. So yes, fantasy I, I, fantasy managers, not just you. It's not just you, Mike. Uh, don't don't try to take this all personally because it's many people. There are many men. How, how would you feel? And I see you have a child in the background there. How yeah, would you feel? I, I like, told him. I told my son not to listen to what I say. How, or what how I do. old is he? How <laughs> He's old is eleven. Your son? So your you know, eleven. So really does, your, does your son have Twitter? No. Actually, so he could eventually get Twitter when he's old enough to make his own decisions. And he's going to search his dad, Mike Curlin, and he's going to see his Mike Curlin. He's going to see his father doing um, heart eye emojis over like Max Kepler. Is that what you want him to see? I mean, it's 2023. Are you really here to judge what a, what another grown man does with their yeah. timelines? And uh... I, that's well, exactly, it's not just that's that. Exactly. Let's remember, gentlemen. Uh, gentlemen, I want to say that Max Kepler is of German descent, and he's also you a very, know, very, very, very handsome man. He is a very handsome he's man. No, he's and no he's, you know, he's a Buscemi. Yeah, no, I, and I would certainly take a men's movie night with him. But what I'm trying to say is, do we know what happened? You know, Zach, you're a Jew. And we've got Mr. <laughs> Kepler, who is of German descent. And I just, you know, uh, I just want to point Kerlin's that out. A Jew too? I'm a Jew too. Holy <laughs> boys! I don't know what to do with myself. There's just so many of them now. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The all I'm saying is, uh, I just don't know why you'd like Mr. Kepler. Other than he is a Buscemi, but he's hitting two thirteen, and he's probably going to the DL. So, Rick, you're always talking about handsome man. It, it, Reminds me of that club you went to and that uh, dancer, Dale. How are you and Dale these days? Okay, I, I've never heard this name in my life. I've never met anyone named Dale. I, I don't, you know. You know, here's the thing. You can't get a good, you know, a, a valid trial in New York. That's just what I want to say. And, like, I, I've never met this Dale character you know, there was one time where I walked into a room at the Vixen. It's called the Vixen Strip Club. And I went in and, you know, I was immediately attracted to him and he was immediately attracted to me. And he tried to take me into a side room for a little bit of hanky panky. And, I, I you know, I, I'm just not this. This guy's a whack job. He's trying to come at me for, oh, you did this and you did that. I don't know anything about this man. OK, uh, he has a dog named uh, Vagina. Or a cat or something like that. He had he had a boyfriend. Well, I'm not going to go into that. But he, you know, he did a lot of strange stuff. They wouldn't let me put that in the deposition. Uh, they wouldn't let me say that. But they, you know, they'd come at me with. I don't know anybody named Dale, and I just want to say MAGA Trump 2024, and that's all I've got to say. Okay, so can we move into our our new our our Micah notes section? News and notes. Sure. Yes. Okay. So now we're into Micah notes. So the first Micah note is um, Tyler Glasnow is set to make his next rehab appearance. So what do you got, Curlin? What do you think about that? Honestly, uh, we got in our other chat, um, Jake. He's he's poo pooing it like crazy. He's like the anti Glasnow guy, 
and he's like this, you know, you know how this is going to end. What do you think? Do you think, do you think we see Klaus now in the next, in May? I, I honestly have Dr. no Kerlin? idea. I have no idea, man. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't pretend to play a doctor. I, I, I mean, the closest thing I am is what I do in real life. And that's far from a doctor. I went to school for a whole 18 months compared to like 10 years, but uh, yeah. You know I, what I, I call can... playing doctor. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you show me? Huh? Why don't you show me, buddy? Come on over. We'll hang out. You can show me what that means that's... to you, buddy. That's that's an invite. That's that's an actual invite. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if need for <laughs> weapons on, but oh, we'll we'll make it work anyway. But in all seriousness, I have no idea, man. Uh, obliques are tough. We all know that. And he had a setback, and they're saying it's nothing. I I don't. Who buys that anymore? Like, why would you feel side tightness? Oh, I'm gonna make my next rehab start. What is he gonna go two innings? Feel it again? I don't know if we see him in May. Well, he's not gonna definitely won't be ready in May at this point. Because of the setback, but uh, you don't think I, so? I think he's, no, making his next start, like the yeah, won. I know, but what is that next start? Is the next start going to be? He was ramping up to what 60 pitches now. Was, are we hoping for 60 again, or is he going to go back down to 20 or 30 to try to see how he feels before he goes into the fucking maybe he becomes their closer? That, I mean, that would be awesome for fantasy, I guess, but not really. I, I just like watching chaos happen. I've, I've watched all these close this, this closer carousel for good teams like the Yankees and the Rays, and as a Holmes manager. Or I'm sorry, we say owner on this podcast. As a homes owner, I am your homeowner. I am a homeowner, and I am going into I'm going into what's it called when you lose your house? Uh, I'm upside down in my house right now. Divorced. Well, that too. I'm gonna divorce him at this point. No, you go. Um, when you get your house repossessed, basically, I couldn't think of the word. Not divorce. Ruined it. Whatever. Call it what you want. My point is, is um. Yeah, I I don't I I think the setback was legitimate. I don't think it was an accident that he had to leave early. And I think Jake is right to have the pessimism that he has towards it, honestly. All right. Next on Mike notes is uh, TJ Friedel. Um, he left with an injury. Uh, do you think that opens the door to uh, CES or maybe even Maddie McLean? I like I like him. I think he, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be going for a big fab um, sometime in the near future. McLean, think, not, not Strand. I think they both will. The second that they both get called, it's going to be almost like a Mervis Morel probably situation where you get Mervis up first, Morel. Or the Murs came up, then Morel. We're gonna probably see McLean. I think McLean comes up first. I think he's the older of the two, isn't he? Like twenty four versus. I don't know if that really matters, but I'm not sure. Honestly, do, do you know if either one of them are on the forty man? That's kind of the. But at the same time, Morel was on the forty man, and Mervis wasn't, so they made room. It's not like it's a huge deal, but at the end of the day, these guys are gonna to have to come up soon. They're both gonna bring big bucks because realistically, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, there's teams that not believe it or not, not every team needs fucking pitching. So the teams that don't need pitching. I mean, I know I'll be in on the hitters. I won't even lie. It's not really a secret. Like, it's not a secret that if you need hitting, you're going to be in on them. It's just right. a matter of how much fab do I have left. Like, I feel like, like at what point does, like, the, it's a percentage thing, not like, oh, everyone's talking, like, $300 bids, $400 bids. And, yeah, there are some leagues where that's still a thing where people can do that. But these guys don't come up for a week or two. And, you know, Yuri Perez is going to go for some solid bids, stuff like that. It's like now you're looking at percentages more so than these big bids. And you just got to understand that, obviously, as you play fab. But or play you know main events and shit and deal with fab but whatever you get my point it's yeah uh, well neither of them are neither of them are on the 40 mound so there you I go i don't think that so, puts one above the other nope um, exactly next uh let's move on away from mike you know it's we have enough so we have an in memoriam in memoriam segment for our podcast um this is the fantasy um analysts that we've lost not 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 dead but like we've lost due to like mental health breaks and stuff like that over the over the course of the year so rick do you have any music for this yeah i i guess we're having technical difficulties so i've been commissioned to sing 
and uh, go ahead and uh, provide the music for this segment. So I will go ahead and do that. Okay. This is amazing. I will remember you. Gone but not forgotten. Manly Van Lee. You remember me. Gone but not forgotten. Ian Khan. The days go Always by. in our hearts. Doug Ishikawa. Love me by. Always close to us, Casey Cha. Friend to many. Friend to all. Mark Kiefer. Will you remember me? Sorely missed, Shelly V. Inspirational always, Micah Henry. I love him, Ryan Rufin. That was beautiful, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Oh, thank I didn't you. realize I didn't realize Kiefer and Roof were uh, out of the picture. I mean, I haven't just I don't you know the whole Twitter change. I didn't see them on my thing. I didn't think anything of it. Well, they're what gone. The fuck song are you singing? You fucking cock. Would you put? I was told to do it. Is that your son, Rick? Yes, I've kicked him out. Please continue. No, he just finished up that segment. And and Shelly is doing content for like The Athletic and NBC, I think, still. So you just made up some bullshit for that one. I've seen her forever. <laughs> yeah, she's actually, she's alive and well, my friend. I, I think she's, I thought she left Twitter. No, she did for a little bit. She came back. Okay, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her. Oof. You just, you just, you just killed her off like in live time. Cause she was, she's been around doing stuff, man. Way right. to go. Let's, let's see. You do your own research and you and you still fumbled that one. What are you doing? Oh fuck, I'm blocked. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> there it well, is. Well, that's why you can't see. Let me look up. Is it Shelly Vinaigrette? I don't not know. Yeah, no, I'm blocked. Okay. I think. There you go. Oh, here that'll, she is. That'll do it. Oh, I but found her. She quit. Uh 51 minutes ago. Woot Tank Hints is back. Uh she likes words that start with W that don't mean anything. She also said woof. The White Sox are awful. She is correct about that. Yeah, I see. I don't know that it's Curlon level, but I see quite a few tweets, tweets here today. So, hey, 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 I you don't can, know. You can, Mike, you can tweet during the podcast, okay? You don't. We're not stopping you. I, I listen. I might tweet a lot, but it's usually information with the occasional hard eye emoji for a player. Okay, it's definitely more interesting than this. I'm okay. Here's a tweet that just says, "Ooh, interesting." Who I mean, said that? I, this vinaigrette uh, woman. I, I don't. Anyway, okay. Let's let's get into the mean potatoes of this podcast. Enough of uh, enough of the teas. We're gonna, we're gonna, this podcast, Mike. We're going to talk about stashing players, and uh, you are a main event winner or main event player. I don't want to jinx it, but wiener, I think wiener. you are leading your main event, Mike. Main event main event wiener sounded good too, you know. Because come on, just <laughs> just take take something. Here. Um, you're leading your main event, no? It's no, I am, but it's such a long way away. You know me, like I'm excited by the end of the day. It's my first one, so of course I'm excited, but I also understand. Just say yes, just yes, that's it. That's yeah, it. I am. Okay, what okay. the hell? I, I just wanted. So, I no, just but, want... no, but you, you, you're it's playing not... the main event, and we're going to talk about stashing players like in a 15 team league. So yes, um, there's there's several factors to consider. So length of time to stash. Is there a maximum time where you would cut like where would you would just cut you would just cut anyone like take take O'Neill Cruz. Like, is there a time frame from now? Like, this is trying to be helpful information for people playing in leagues. It can be 
uh, we can use this podcast actually to make decisions now instead of just like talking about like draft and like recap of fab right um so like an o'neill cruz he's back like in august are you stashing him on on, on in any circumstance not right now right not right now so like you're looking like three four months in the future like right. if I know if if I know he has like okay cool he's set to come back he's doing well he's maybe he's, he's like okay he's gonna start ramping up I know you you kind of have to be a week ahead of that these days like you used to be able to do a whole hey he's coming back in a month I'll stash him for, and and have him for three weeks that used to work now you have to honestly commit like six weeks minimum to a guy and hope there's no setbacks I feel like that's the only way to get ahead for that dollar or two otherwise you're stuck paying thirty forty bucks regardless like just to stash a guy that you're not even sure when they're coming back. At least there's going to be a timeline here, but it's going to be end of the season. How much will they let them run all that, all these questions come into your mind. But yeah, that's why I'm like these days, I feel like the way, because the way things have changed, you have to be willing to stash a guy longer because otherwise you're going to miss out. Yeah. I think yeah. The, the, the better the player, the, 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 the yes. more time in advance you need to uh, plan. Absolutely. Um, so um, I heard this um, actually really a, a good, um, t- uh, interesting conversation on, Rob's podcast podcast with Mark Winoker and Mager Major. We're talking about it. Mager, Mager. Um, we're talking about um stashing players. So, like they talked about the cost of acquisitions and the cost of um acquiring the player in the draft, or the cost of when you of fabbing the player, and also the potential upside. So I think one of the one of them was saying that um I think Mark, Mark was saying that um he doesn't care. Like he 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 drafted Carlos Rodon in the main event in the main event that I was in in Vegas in the sixth round. So he's like, yeah, people are dropping it, dropping him, but I do care about how much I paid for him. Um, however, um, there there was the the notion that was brought up also that I'm also keeping a player because of his potential upside. So somebody with more upside, but don't those two things kind of go hand in hand? So like somebody's potential upside is probably going to be correlated with their draft cost. Um, do you have anything to add or quest, like, do you have any questions on that or any way we can dig into that? Because yeah, like how much it costs to acquire the player is going to determine whether or not you're going to keep that player. I mean, there's, I feel like there's different, there's different factors. Like for instance, Rodon, yeah, there was a high acquisition cost, but the second that we got news of a new injury, and a setback within that injury and an injury that's going to linger. You think about, okay, so it cost me X amount of dollars to acquire round pick, whatever. But if we had all this, if all this stuff happened before that pick, where would he have actually gone? He's no longer that six round pick anymore. So you're holding on to this price that doesn't really apply to him at current point. Maybe if he was coming back, like he was supposed to be, then the price matters and you can hold on. It's easier to hold on. But I feel like we've gotten so much new information that, Suddenly, that sixth round pick value that, although if we're drafting, like if we're drafting today, he's not going before the tenth round probably at best because we don't know any type of he shut down. I don't think last time I don't know if he's even thrown. He just got an injection in his back. It's gonna be a even. They even said it's gonna be a lingering issue. I don't think he's a top ten round pick right now. So holding on to a sixth round valuation, I feel. Well, and this this podcast was like a week or two ago. I did listen to it as well. So it's one of those things where things do change. And um, it's you got to kind of adapt and be willing to. It's just hard. I, I can't sit there and say I, I would cut him because I don't think I would either. Because I think that I want to get an idea of, of a timeline. But like for instance, I'm holding on to Woodruff. But the difference is, is, I feel like we've been given a timeline with Woodruff. It happened early on. There hasn't been any setbacks. But I'm kind of making the same. It's almost the same argument as as Rodon. With the difference being that Rodon has a whole new injury. So it's like it's tough. It's very very difficult. And those that level of uh, that, that potential outcome. 
I think it also matters like how are you doing in pitching? How are you doing in in your standings? Are you starting to fall behind? Do you need that extra spot so you don't take zeros? Do you have other IL issues? Because we can't, you know, so you have to a lot of it. I think it will really will factor from team to team. You saw somebody drop uh Woodruff, and I don't think that was a bad call depending on your team outlook, but it's just a matter of you really need to understand where you're at and which way your he- team's headed. Like right now. Right now, the reason why I'm holding on to Woodruff is because you mentioned I'm, I'm finding early success, not only in pitching, but overall in my league. So I'm able to kind of make that stash knowing that, okay, right now I can sit on this player and just, I have to be more cutthroat with the other stashes. For instance, I cut Morel after getting him for five bucks two weeks ago because I have, it was either Morel or Woodruff because I wanted to keep my team a certain or Barrera, way. Or Barrera. I cut, I ended up cutting him the next week. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted, well, my issue was is I, I'm just dying for middle. I was dying for middle infield. I don't like taking zeros if I can avoid it. And yeah, I do obviously looking back, but even then I probably would have cut, I'm not going to lie, I would probably would have cut Morel this week anyway, after the, after the freaking David Ross quotes, just for him to come up Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those quotes were like ominous. And no, for I'm sure. Not, I'm over here. Like I said, I'm not trying to stash more than one person. I will not stash more than one person because I'm finding it hard enough to play with a six man bench as it is. Like right now I might be getting a zero this week in my outfield spot because Loreano decided to get a concussion because you can't stay healthy. Jesus, San- Jesus Sanchez decided to pull a hamstring running out of double. And now Max Kepler, my heart emojis, all, all my, my hard eyes, my hard eyes didn't keep them healthy. I tried. You, know, you, I tried. you hit on a lot of good points that I was going to ask about later in terms of like the, the the why they're on the why why they're a stash and how many people you would stash. Um, oh, I didn't read the outline. No, no, I know you didn't, but you know, you, 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 you're, you're doing well. You're jumping ahead. That's that's really good. But um, I think it like for going back to the Rodon example, like if he was available on waivers, how much would you pay for him? And would you pay more for other people? So like, let's say Rodon, let's say Rodon was on waivers. Would you bid, like for me, would I bid $10 on him? I'd probably, I'd probably be bidding more money on other players that are enticing that are going to come, are going to become fab targets next week uh, more than Rodon. Uh, So then if you're bidding more on other free agents than Rodon, then shouldn't the logic tell you to drop Rodon if you own him in like another league? And that gets, that gets us to the sunk cost fallacy. That's where, you're reluctant to abandon. Phallic. Ab- I heard phallic. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh phallic. See. And I we, all, we also got talk. We got to also got talked about Bjorn about sitting on players too. Mike was mentioning sitting on players, so Bjorn also has to like to have weigh in. But but back to the sunk <laughs> sun cost uh, fall- fallacy. Um, it's it's your reluctancy to abandon a strategy um, because you're heavily invested in it, and um, even when that. Um, abandonment is probably the best course of action and i guess like a, a real world like real real world example of that would be people listen to this podcast you're already invested in this podcast you've already invested what like 20 minutes into this like yeah you know it's probably best to shut it off right now but you're already you're, you're already like it's a sunk cost right so you might as well like uh, please turn the, it off it's not the best course of actions to keep listening to this but like you're already you've already invested right it's sort of like holding rodan right well, that's the thing. I, holding Rodon is just, it's tough. And again, it goes back to, I don't have him. So I can't, it's, I'm speaking from, I'm trying to speak from a place of like having Woodruff and Woodruff got hurt after a couple starts, but at least Woodruff was healthy at one point this year. We know how Rod, how good Rodon could be. The issue is also with pitching being in the, the, the issue it is for like, what, 90% of teams probably the way it seems, at least on Twitter, it feels like it's 90% of teams, but maybe 50, 60% of teams are really struggling with pitching. And uh, people want to hold on to anybody who can come back and provide any type of upside. Talk and about apparently. talk about when you uh, question Mark Cerebro on Twitter about um, him drop or him stashing Woodruff, but shitting on um, stashing Max Max Fried. 
Well, apparently, so it was actually Kyle Wright he was uh, shitting on. I thought it was, I thought actually that's what part of it was me giving him shit, but I realized it was uh, Kyle Wright. So I was like, okay, Wright's an easier drop. But Max Freed is kind of in that same discussion as Woodruff, not necessarily in terms of level of skill set, but what, a two round difference maybe. And a guy who's probably due back around the same amount of time with no real injury history for Freed either. I get holding on to him. Like that. that's a kind of a more of an apples to apples deal, but. Kyle Wright's more of an easier drop. His cost to acquire was already shit. He's already dealing with this like another injury, and it's a shoulder now too. It's uh, you, you got ca- to calibrate everything because his cost to acquire was was cheap because he was injured during the draft, yeah. like Rodon. That's so what I'm to, saying. You need, to, you need to calibrate that though, because like when Shrebro was mentioning uh, Kyle Wright as an 11th or 12th round pick, he was an 11th or 12th round pick because he was starting on the mm-hmm. IL. It's not like Robbie Ray was a sixth or seventh round or sixth round pick. But he was healthy at the start of the year. If he was, if he had that elbow scare at the start of the year, he would have been also like a, an eleventh or twelfth round pick. So it's all it's all relative. Uh, Bjorn, did you have somebody that you want to bring on? Yeah, Zach, you said uh, you know people shouldn't you know necessarily keep listening, but if they've stuck it out this long, I have something that they're absolutely going to love. Uh, this listener has been all over Twitter. He's been waiting in the lobby. Rick granted his token. Uh, it's Reggie. He likes to go by Reg, but um, Reg, are you there? I'm here. How's everybody doing? Doing this? great, Reg. Okay, I just wanted to say that I've been known as the regression monster on Twitter. But my real name's Reggie, and my mother named me Rejoice. I'm a happy monster. But I've been redubbed the regression monster on Twitter, and it makes me sad. Well, what's what what what, uh, what irks you most, uh, most, Reg? I was born rejoice, and I'm a good man. But Mike has called me the regression monster, and I feel pigeonholed by this title. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything to say about that? I I am so sorry. I, I, I got nothing to say besides offer you my sincerest apologies, sir. I feel like a monkey in a box <laughs> just going nom, nom, nom for your pleasure. And I'm more than that. I'm not just a silly monster or an Oscar the Grouch type character. I'm someone who feels positive emotions. <laughs> yeah, why don't you ever use the monster when he's uh like for positive regression? Because re- regression can go both both ways, right? It could, but it's no fun. <laughs> both ways. <laughs> oh gosh, I just yeah. feel, I just feel pigeonholed, and I just want an opportunity to shine. Well, you are. People love you, man. People love everything about what you offer. Yeah, you're, you, you're a big hit. Outside, I know that, outside, outside of a few people that are like not very happy with it, but most people yeah, really but like it. What Reg has told me is he messaged me and he's like, Imagine going home and your your kids say, Why does why does the bad man call you a monster? I don't I don't think he's a monster. I come home to my little monster wife and my little monster kids. And they look at me and say, why does the bad Mike man do this to you? And I say, I try. 
I try to rejoice and I try to be a positive influence, but I'm still the goddamn regression monster. <laughs> now, can you tell the truth here and stop playing the victim when this was all your idea? I. Oh, you're gonna, have, you're gonna play dumb. Never... You're gonna play dumb now. We we sit here. We we play this whole thing out. <laughs> you use you paid me for my platform, knowing I had the thought followers. I do. This was your idea. Now you're gonna play victim. I don't appreciate that. Oh, shit. I'm a simple Whoa. man. Look at that. Mike on his toes here. I can't. I just can't believe he's trying to pull this shit on me. We had a plan. This was this this this, this success was barring. The, the, this was whole. This was all your idea, and it's all because of you. It's worked, and now you're now you're complaining. Now you're over here. With the fake tears, I don't, I don't appreciate that. Did I book the wrong guest? Is this? Uh, I don't know if this Reggie is. Is this the actual? Oh, it's him. Uh, I was, I was trying to be nice, but you know what? He pissed me off because, and I'm now I'm just blowing the whistle on the whole situation. This was his idea. When have you ever seen me do anything about a stupid regression monster ever on my timeline? Suddenly, just pops up one day. You think that was my idea? No. This dude DM'd me with an opportunity to like, it's like ten bucks per tweet. I'm broke, so I took it. That definitely does sound like a credible story. Um, Mr. Reggie, are you what's going on here? I mean, who's the who's really the victim here? I just want everybody to know I need to retain legal counsel based on these claims by Mr. Kurland. And I've got to go. I've got to get my I gotta get Mr. Preppis on the line. I have retained an attorney named uh Daniel uh, the Greek Preppis. And he's going to be my attorney. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> All right. Wow, that was yeah, unexpected. I don't, yeah, that was that was weird. I I don't know what's going on here, boys. All right, um, Bjorn. Do you have any? Do you have the? Do you have a Bjorn inside you, or or that we, we got to wait for that? I think we need to wait for our other guest for that. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get inside uh, Daniel tonight. Okay, so that we got we just got Mike right now. You're not too interested in getting inside Mike tonight. Maybe Bjorn. No. Baby, Bjorn, baby, Bjorn, baby Bjorn's inside everybody. Yeah, I love I love talking to Mike. This is the first time we've talked. It's it's great. So Rick, I I didn't I I I'm remiss. Uh, I'd be remiss not to ask you about stashing. Um, what how do you how do you feel about stashing players like in season preseason? Like, does it matter? Like, suspension, injury, are they prospect? I know you're not a big prospect guy, Rick. Well, you know me, I don't like the sex pigs, but yeah, when it comes to stashing, for example, on my roster right now, I own, and yes, I mean that I do own the being of uh, Justin Verlander, who is now pitching and pitching very well. I stashed him. Thank you very much. And I'm also currently stashing Mr. Jake DeGorm. He is a pitcher for the Texas Rangers. And, <laughs> I, you know, while he may have an issue with his elbow right now, of course I'm stashing the man. This guy could have made or break the entire season. He could have won me the overall. I don't give a fuck about what his little elbow is doing right now. I'm stashing Jacob DeGorm. Now, in terms of like a Jordan Walker for the shitbirds, you know, who, uh, let's just, can we say that Oliver uh, Marmel needs fired and bring back Mr. Schilt? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, but when it comes to Jordan Walker, no, he needs to be dropped. Now, when it comes to Mr. Tyler O'Neill, a man who is built out of, absolute just you know chiseled out of the gods and i will tell you that if i were underneath mr o'neill and excuse me if i were <laughs> if i were underneath mr o'neill and he unbuckled himself and said uh rick what i need you to do 
is turn on Lethal Weapon 3. Boys, I would do it in a heartbeat. And we'd have cheesy popcorn and, and ginger ale and everything that you need. Uh, what I am saying, a long, long story short here, is I would be, still be stashing Mr. O'Neill. He's going to come up. He's going to get traded. He's going to go to an organization that lets him do his thing. So that is my thoughts on stashing. Okay, that's 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 interesting, Rick. You want to know my thoughts on stashing? What do you boys think about? I, I want to know what you boys think. And I'm not trying to take this over with an all Cradnell's podcast, but like you know, they're not going to fire Mister Marmol because he hasn't been on board for long enough, and he hasn't embarrassed somehow hasn't embarrassed him, himself enough. When does this guy get fired? I mean, it's clearly a mess. Jack Flaherty, Hack Flaherty sucks ass. Wilson Contreras is great. There's no problems with him. It's he's just a scapegoat. When does Marmol go, and who the hell do they bring in? I don't know. Uh, and I open it up to the panel. Give Mr. Kurland uh, the panel. He's their guest. You Let's hear I, it. You think I know who they're going to like be? All I do is monitor but playing what, what time. What would I'm you do if you were them? Forget oh. about who it's going to be. Yeah, who gives a fuck who the manager is? But Mr. Marmol sucks. So, I mean, what yeah, do they if, do? If you were, who complains about Marmol the most on Twitter? Like, which fantasy analyst? I know there's, I don't know. Well, I, I know Thompson's a big Cardinals guy, so I think he just overall hates everything that's happening over there. But uh, I can't, I, I don't I don't think, you're right. I, I actually, agree, I hate to say this, but I agree with Rick. I don't think that they're going to fire him because who, it matter. It, you say you don't care who replaces him, but I think that's what really matters. Do they have a clubhouse guy that the players really like? Do they have one that they trust? Do they want to see what Marvel can do, bounce back a little bit? I don't know, but. At the end of the day, I've got a name for you. You I, want to hear I, the name I gotta say? Tony LaRusso. Oh, you beat me to it, Curlin. A World Series manager, and look what the White Sox—they've gone in the toilet no. since they got rid of Tony LaRusso. They need that veteran presence. They need—they need. They need I got a name for drink. you. I got a name for you. His name's Yandier Molina. Oh, that would be okay. see. Now you want to boost the Bring morals of the, of the you get yeah that'd be a crowd pleaser if any if any for sure. And huh, you, you want to you get the intimidation factor for your for your team like he has the neck he has the neck ink so you're not going to say no to that right. Mm. He looks like a fucking prisoner is what he looks like. <clears throat> it this was guy weird. looks like somebody that if you encountered him in a goddamn yard at a prison he'd eat your children. Okay, yeah, but, he, uh, he'd, 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 Tyler O'Neill wouldn't be benched. He'd be like he'd be shanked. Yeah, but yeah, I'd hear Molina abandon his team during a playoff run last year to go and watch the team he owns in the Dominican Republic play basketball. I think that's kind of a trash move by a teammate. Well, you know, your life's or yeah, your wife's also getting fucked by uh, you know, a morbidly obese piece of shit. So I, you know, I don't really care about your opinion. Amazing. I'm so happy I'm also, here today. Also, uh, I'm not too sure we should um uh, recommend a manager that played in the WBC either. It's That's how to fair. dig at Mr. Kurland. No, well, actually, I, I've never been. I could care less about the WBC. No WBC. I never really had a strong stance or opinion on it either way. So I, I think you would hate matter. the WBC because it's taking away from your first spring training shit. Actually, I've never made, heard of the WBC. You never heard of the WBC? No, I'm a I'm a WWE guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, so just the, the whole spring training thing. Yeah. It takes away from it. But at the end of the day, it made me just understand a lot more in terms of like, all right, so not only do I know 40 man stuff, but now it's like, I see who like the managers might be liking in terms of who they want to give a long look to guys like what Luke Rayleigh were kind of like making a whole bunch of 
probably playing a whole bunch in spring and stuff. So guys that you didn't think that maybe would have made the team like, oh, well, now I know that the team actually really likes them. And it's like it you also saw probably the tra- fooled us for a couple of them, too. Yeah, well, absolutely. It wasn't. And that's the whole thing about the spring training stuff is just all it is is a uh, it's just an idea of trying to f- figure out value and more so monitor the usage of a player, not and where they're going to hit the lineup. Has, yeah. Like- what? What just happened? Has somebody else joined? I heard another voice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I, don't know what that was I, I need to ask this. I'm sure it was another Bjorn thing, but uh, when it comes <laughs> to the snatching thing, let's go back to the prospects. So this uh and Bradley from the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, you know, you look at a guy like that. He was the first big, you know, I'm going to blow my load with fab and get this pitcher. Now, I do think he's the best one, and I will still say this now. I think of all the knobs that have been polished so far, I believe that uh, Mr. Taj is the best one of all these pitchers that have been called up. He is still on the minors. Now, we've got Tyler Glass now, of course, uh, hurt again because he's a cuck idiot and he's never going to come back. So I think Tash is on the fast track back on this new schedule, quote unquote, the, the devil rays are putting him on. Um, are you still, you know, how long do you hold on for a guy like that? What if Tampa Bay continues to do their weird little devil magic and he doesn't come up until June? I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, and then, you know, you look at a guy like this Mason Miller, this piece of shit from the A's who, you know, has really never pitched more than like 20 innings and whoa, wow, he's hurt. Surprise, surprise. What do you do with these prospect types? I guess that's where I Mr. chime Kurt in. Gee, I got to fucking guess. Yeah, you're yes. the guest. Yeah, I understand I'm the guest, but the way you guys treat people around here, you don't give a shit about any of that. So let's, <laughs> but oh, yes. Uh, no, 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 I'm no. Crimea River. You, you, I am. I mean, you're, so you let's listen. What do you, anyway. what do you do? So what do you do, pro- Mr. Kurt with prospects, first off, just get it right. Obviously, no I'm kidding. Um, in all seriousness, though, it's uh, it's tough. It's it's definitely tough with Taj specifically. I think you're holding Taj for now. Again, it goes back to the landscape of pitching. If you can afford to, the spot, you're not dropping him. Jordan Walker. The fact that O'Neill went on the IL. The fact that they called up Yepes over him, and then last I looked, Walker's struggling at AAA. To he's working on a new adjustment. That one gets a little more fringe because now you're looking at. How long are they going to let him adjust? He's just turned, I think he's just now turning 21. So on top of never playing above, what was it? He jumped from double A to the majors because of a hot spring and then wasn't getting regular playing time. So they're probably going to want to see, they might give him a long extended look there. Maybe, play, maybe uh, what's it called? Uh, service time might, manipulation might be a thing. He's not even, he turns 21 next month. He's not hot even 20 take. years old. I, I hate to interrupt you. Hot take. I say Jordan Walker never makes it back to the Cradles and spends the rest of the year as a Memphis Redbird in triple A. That's just what I have to say. Well, he so he, he has corrected. I wouldn't be surprised. I can't say that would actually that, that wouldn't be terribly surprising. By the end of the day, I I think he's more so at this point probably a second half call up again. Like he has to show that he can do it in Triple A, and he's so far yeah the strikeout rate is back down, the walk rate is back up, so he's performing there, but nothing else is there. You know he's hitting under two hundred. Sure he has good OBP, but the power's not even there. So you know Walker's working on an approach. There's a good chance that he's more of a second half guy at this point. He or can't at play least, the outfield either. That's you part know, of the issue the Cardinals too. Continuing to try to, you know, oh, but Wilson Contreras is going to play the outfield. Give me a fucking break. And, and that's part but, of the issue too. They have to get him working in the outfield, which that people for like someone who was really good at reminding me that was supposed to be. I guess the guest I replaced was it Ryan Benancio that he was supposed to be here. Ryan, Ryan's he was the one who kind of made me realize, hey, defense really freaking matters in fantasy, man. Like you got to really pay attention to how good a defender a player is, because that's why a player like Walker 
might actually stay down longer than expected because the bat's there, but he can't glove anywhere or can't glove the outfield well, especially according to reports. But then you have guys like um, what's his face that can uh, Edward Edward Julian 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 was uh, another guy that the glove is terrible and you actually saw it. You saw it was rough. If you watched his first, I mean, maybe it was the first game or so, but he looked really really uncomfortable in the field. What about as Max Muncy as- though? Like you know, it matters to a point when you're a prospect, but eventually if you suck, yeah. you can still play. Like man, well, I, don't, I don't even know. They have I, DH I, stuff, you know. What I mean, they get DH these guys. These prospects can. I, it's one of those things where it, I think it's also look at the teams they're on. You have a team like the Cardinals that are super deep in the outfield. They have guys like Yepes, like Burleson, who show to be valuable in spurts. And Yepes is getting the weak side platoon right now. Cool. Then you have teams like you have teams like the Twins that when they're healthy, they have so many parts that they sent down a guy that that I'm surprised. Like Miranda was being sent down was kind of a shock just because. I didn't see that coming at all, just considering the fact that why would they do that? But then no one's talking about him. And he, he, I mean, like either I, good or bad. I know, I know he's been obviously he wasn't good, but that's not the point. Is is that after coming up last year, you know how good he can be. They they want to see him get together, whatever. Okay, but that's still a team that if they're willing to send down a guy like that, and they're obvious, and then right now Buxton is stuck at DH. They're they're squeezed for these young guys to come up and play every day, and it's like Larnick got sent down where Larnick probably would have been up if it wasn't for Gallo, who Gallo looks awful too. So you know, but that's Gallo up and down, up and down. That's just what he does. So it's one of those things where you have to look at team team context matters a lot with these prospects. But in terms of stashing them, uh, getting back to the original point because we can't seem to ever get back to this point and stay stick on it. Uh, Taj, I'm gonna hold on to more so than than Walker. I think I think I know it's weird considering again goes back to draft costs, but just the idea, the feel for this team and the ETA, and you know O'Neill's due back next week. There's no real clear like, hey, we're gonna call this guy up anytime soon. Whereas with Taj, if we just had again, if we if we all and I think we all collectively agree that we don't agree that we all collectively agree that uh, what's his face oh uh, Glass now. Probably actually had a setback, even though reports are suggesting he's going to go out. I, I and if he goes out and now if he proves us wrong, we can all maybe take a step back from this. But I, I know right now, at least I, I speak for myself, I think Glass now is going to open up an opportunity for Taj to come up that much faster too. Because I don't, I'm not sure Glass now is going to be ready as expected. It might take a little longer, especially if that setback causes him to pitch less pitches per outing, and they need to continue building him up to so make sure he's actually another another not so hot take maybe with this one i say tyler glass now does not throw a pitch in major league baseball See, this I, year. I think that's more hot more of a hot take than the walker thing just because walker's age and lack of success at the upper levels to this point i can understand him being down for most of the year getting a cup of coffee at the end that would at least logically i can wrap my head around that i do think that glass now is going to at least be if he's not back if it's true again again that was like a bullshit like it just wasn't an actual injury type of thing for whatever reason. I don't buy that. But again, for some reason we're, we're all being duped and it's actually true that he's healthy. Then uh glass will be back soon. But I think even, even with a setback glass, is probably back for at least a second half, not saying he's worth holding till then, but I do think we see him just maybe not as soon as we anticipate. He's already, isn't he already falling behind the initial on? Um, I thought it was like a four to six week injury back in like spring training. Yeah. Been, a little bit. Six yep. weeks already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think glass will pitch eventually, but he might just um, get, end up getting hurt. Uh, Taj, it's like he, he. I think you can't well, drop he, him. You can't Taj, drop Taj. Taj has been trash too. That's been yeah, a part of the is, issue. If he was if he wasn't bad in the minor leagues, he could be up at any time. Like you, you can't, you can't drop him. But the fact yeah. that he's been bad, you, you kind of think that he's. I, not I, I do have a question about that. Do you think it's bad because a he's having a hard time adapting to the new five every pitching every fifth day? B is there a mental thing there with you know how because you, you hear about this with players like having a hard time? Okay, he went he went to the highest level, found success in his first three starts. And then suddenly you're sent down 
to get on a weird schedule. No. Like they couldn't. So like there's a mental aspect of the game or is he working? Is he simply working on pitches? Is he throwing, is he purposely throwing more fastballs? Just trying to locate them, see what he could do with it. Is he trying, is he purposely throwing more sliders or whatever? Is he purposely just working on things, mechanics, what have you just maybe not. Isn't that information, you- isn't that information available? Whether or not he's throwing more fastballs in the minor leagues. I don't have well, it. That, well, I would say but that I would be, I would guess that would be. You only hear about the mental shit when it's bad. That's the thing. No, I, mean, I got to say this. I got to say this. Players I, talk I, about know, it. I apologize for this because usually I am all aboard the Mr. Waxman train, but uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead with Mr. Kurland here. I do think there is something going on in the head of the Tasmanian devil, uh, Ray. We're, we're agreeing that... too much tonight, man. I, imagine um, that you're flying uh, from on chartered planes in the major leagues, and then you're sent down in the minors and you're on buses and you're eating slop that looks like Maggie Poundstone cooked it. I mean, imagine how disheartening that would be. You fuck it. I just want to say, you son of a bitch. I want you to take that back right now. My wife makes uh, some of the best food that's ever been created, and we're having hot dogs and beans tonight. But I want to say right now that uh, in the case of Mr. Taj Bradley, yes, you come up and you have three great starts. You're sent back down, yeah, again, to the slop house. You're bunking with Bruno. Maybe he's touching your butt in the middle of the night or something. You know, who knows? <laughs> Meanwhile, you look we don't at talk the about stuff Bruno. you can get in. You haven't heard? Well, you we know, you look at the stuff you can you look at the stuff you can get in Major League Baseball, he's probably tapping everything he wants to. So, yeah, this guy, uh, he's got some head issues going on. He needs to be called back up to the Devil Rays and continue to dominate the likes of the minor league Yankees and uh, at AL East. I think I think the most answerable question out of all this, and moving on to Mason Miller with his elbow shit, do you drop Mason Miller? Like, there is a sunk cost fallacy at its finest. Are you, Curlin, are you going to drop Mason Miller? I don't think you have any of them, but well, would, you, would you if you had him? No, not right now. You, last I saw, it was a it, it was a clean MRI. You hold on for more news at the very least, unless I missed something since then. I haven't actually. I was actually getting on when you texted me. Hey, come on! I was like, all right, cool. I was actually about to get into the news and see if I missed anything from the day, but I don't know if oh, I okay. did. We, we, we already did. We already did the mic notes. So that's yeah. So that's what I'm figuring. You didn't mention Miller having a setback. It was just a inflammation. Now, in general, I, I feel like where I was wrong was I, or maybe. This is where it comes. This is where you start questioning managerial decisions. You you mentioned Miller, what, threw like 30 innings? And, and like the hot thing was like, oh, he threw like 30 innings. And if you add Arizona Fall League, he threw like 38 or whatever coming into the year. And now he's throwing 90 plus pitches an outing for like two or three straight outings. Why would you even make this guy do this when he's never done it before? I don't understand why they even pushed him the way they pushed him. It's almost like they want him to get hurt. It, it makes no sense. The usage makes no sense. But now it goes back to what do we know? They obviously know something we don't. And the guy throws a million miles per hour. So it just seems like unnecessary stress on a guy's arm that's never been placed before. He's already creeping to career high numbers every, across the. I think the most pitches he pitched in a game was what his first start in the majors or one of the last starts in the minors at the time. It was uh, wild. It's just wild to see how quick they've ramped him up. And, are, and none of us should be surprised that there's an injury considering the usage. It's just one of those things where. Because it came, the MR, the MRI came back clean. That that's the reason to hold right there, in my opinion, right there. Because if nothing else, sure he'll be shut down for a little bit, but he'll come back in what three, four weeks, maybe. I would say maybe a month. But you knew he was going to be limited anyway, so maybe it's almost a blessing in disguise. Because now you'll have him. Like say if you if you could bridge the gap between now and when he comes back, and he comes back and Miller's the same guy he was before, you get him for longer. It's a matter of how you manage it from here. So I'm gonna. I just want to say. Wait, okay, so you're going to stash him. I just want to say real quick, on a quick tweeter search of Mason Miller, and I'm not making this up. Earlier tonight, we had a bit of a, uh, you know, acknowledge these dead fantasy people or whatever. 
Uh, Mr. Pollock, and we do have an NFT. It's the Prancing Pollock uh, for anybody that is interested in owning an NFT of a Ooh. fantasy baseball uh, content creator. But Nick Pollock from uh, PitcherList has a tweet that says, a Mason Miller eulogy. I am not making this up. He appears to bless himself, a la the uh, Catholic religion at the beginning of the video, and carry on for about two and a half minutes denouncing, I'm assuming, calling Mr. Miller dead, if I know the terminology of a eulogy. So uh, if you believe in the words of Mr. Pollock, uh, yeah, you're going to want to cut Mason Miller. There's a lot of theatrics in the video, and I just went ahead and copied it into chat if anybody would like to check that out. I'm going to definitely have to check that out because, again, just based on what I've seen, I, I see no indication that he's out for a long period of time. That Again, it goes back to, did I miss something? There's something here that you guys could educate me on. Because usually I'm pretty good about the news stuff, but I'd get rid of them. I mean, I wouldn't even Would need you? any more news. I agree with Zach on the the uh, sunk cost. Even if you spent four hundred dollars in fab, which I think was a terrible decision to begin with, I would not have done that. I could understand maybe a hundred and fifty dollar bid with his injury history, but at this point, ah, uh, yeah, I would definitely cut. Can we talk about that? Because uh, I think it's a good talking point actually that Rick brings up here about just everyone. Talking. Well, the talk, not just him in general, these big bids and everyone's so quick to be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And most of us wouldn't. But isn't there a time? Would you is there an argument to be made that there's a time and place for when you should? Like, I think Rob was talking about it on his pod today, why he did what he did with a big bid on Miller, Bryce Miller, having all that money and having a huge need. And we're getting to that point where people have money left over, huge needs. And there's like two or three people in the league that might have that money, but the same needs. So you kind of have to spend up to get them, especially if you believe in the talent. Or are we all kind of a slave to the past in terms of like, okay, cool. You've seen, um, we talk, I think George Kirby's kind of the comp here every like that we've been hearing on podcasts in terms of the money spent. Are we over here thinking, well, if this is the next George Kirby, so to speak, do we have to, like, is it one of those things like, oh, well, look what Kirby costs. So now we have to kind of, we have to match these player comps to these bids when maybe it's one of those things where the kind of, I feel like it's almost a, it's almost what you're seeing every year, every year. Okay. Who's gonna be the $400 guy this week. Oh, it's uh, this year. Oh, it's going to be this guy. And then everyone falls into that trap of kind of just following that trend of like, Hey, look, this happened before. It's almost like they feel the need to keep doing it. And that's why I'm like, it's weird. I'm not sure if there's a little bit of that going on or if it's just a mix of timing slash who has the money left a little bit of both. Anybody have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I have some thoughts. We always talk. Don't care about you, Bjorn. You're talking about owning players and stuff. Are you in any leagues that you can trade players? No, I hate trade leagues. Good, and I applaud you, you know, because I'm worried because I've been in leagues where you could trade players, and I don't know if I'm complicit in human trafficking because they are real people. They actually called it, you know, in olden days, the slave trade. It's where they would trade men as if they were possessions, and I see we have an attorney join, join us, Daniel Prepas. Daniel, am I in any risk uh, legal exposure of human trafficking if I am tr in a league that trades players? Is this just perfect timing that I came on at the time you wanted to watch, ask your quasi-related legal question? Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I see these analysts uh, or, you know, media personalities out there and they're like, well, we don't want to say the word auction, what can be an offensive term. And it's like, oh, I, I, you got to be shitting me, guys, because you play in leagues where you trade players and you value them as if they were pieces of meat. I, if I, if I saw those analysts on the street, I would yell, man meat, man meat, because they treat them like man meat and they assign them a value and it's it's ridiculous. 
I'm willing to give you a little bit of a, call it a complimentary taste of my uh, both creative and impervious legal insight. Uh, I think you are safe because in this regard, perception is reality. And I think since the term slavery is not in fantasy baseball, I think you are safe. Now, you do bring up an interesting idea. I think this could be the beginnings, similar to rotisserie baseball being started at a rotisserie chicken restaurant. Is this your kind of, let's say, not so subtle way of proposing to start a fantasy slavery league? Um, that's kind of what I, I think you're getting at. So I think it's a wonderful idea because we don't want people doing slavery in real life. But, you know, fantasy wise, I think it's perfectly safe. No, that's the exact opposite of what oh. I was going for. Uh, see, these... I guess it wasn't good legal. Yeah, I like this idea. I, I, <laughs> oh, there it is. I don't know if there's merit here. Uh, and I want to say, Mr. Preface, I have never seen the man. Uh, very Max Scherzer looking. Does anybody else see Max Scherzer in the face of... Uh, He's got two of the same colored eyes. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, I had a rough childhood because apparently I was a dead ringer for, for Doug Funny from the Nickelodeon cartoon. I don't know if that's before Qu your time. Quail so. Man. No, Patty oh, so Mayonnaise. Like that's that's that Patty mayonnaise. Yeah. There you go. Somebody's seen it before. You don't remember Quail Man? That was his like alter ego when he was like a superhero wearing underwear on top of his pants. Do, do I do I get a do I get a baseball related question? Because I wanted yeah. to get one. Yeah, no, we got 20 minutes well, left and we got baseball. Okay, we got, cool. we got to get to some of this stuff. We missed you missed the stashing. We're gonna get to the macro trends. I looked at okay. the macro trends. I don't know if you looked at the spreadsheet that I that I sent you. I did. I did. I have it up. But um we're capturing a larger percentage of accounting stats this year. Um, is it because one, um, the environment? So like they're the the what I mean by capturing, I'm, I'm I should explain myself. Um the, the stats that accumulated in a main event, so the average, say, runs or RBIs in a league, are X percentage of the total runs and RBIs across the whole MLB landscape. Um, if you pull up the sheet, it says all these counting stats are a higher percentage in 2023 than they were in, 20, in 2022. So I think, for example, runs are like 71% versus like 67% last year. Now, is that a function of the environment? So, for example, guys like Esther Ruiz, just like, capturing a lot of stolen bases so it's sort of top heavy in that way or is it because the diversification of the mlb player pool expands faster than the fantasy player pool expands for example at the end of the year you got a lot of players playing that aren't on fantasy teams hmm. well you really threw me a, a softball for the first question there all right well <laughs> let's, let's uh let's hit some dingers pretend you're how, how can i bullshit my way out of this one well i i look at it from what are the major differences um, starting last year than this year. And I think the speed of the call-ups on uh, the young guys is certainly a major difference in that. Um, and so I would also say typically guys uh, that are coming up aren't really showing the power right away. I I've noticed that, that a lot of the, um, the new guys coming up are the power seems to, I don't know, not be uh, coming as rapidly as before. I'm He's guessing rapidly. No, I'm just saying guys aren't really going on on power binges right away, or at least the younger <laughs> guys aren't showing a lot of power. So, um, but I'm kind of that, that's true. I'm thinking um, out loud a little bit. Um, the one, the one, I think speed is the biggest discrepancy that we've seen. Uh, sure. Uh, there and um, I don't know it's it's been pretty. I think it's more of a function of where we are in the season. To be honest, I don't know if there's a lot to read into that. Um, I think 
personally, I think it's just because right now, like the players that you have drafted and rostered and own um, are um, just um, more of a percentage of those players that are playing right now. Whereas at the end of the year, you have call-ups, you have more teams that get out of the playoff picture and they're not playing the regulars every day and, and, and players get hurt during the year. So I think that your roster becomes more, your fantasy roster becomes more, or sorry, your fantasy roster becomes less indicative of the actual MLB landscape as the year goes on. That's what I think. Okay. Well, Bro, do you have, do you have any thoughts on this? Say, I'll go ahead and say you're right because most of what you said, I couldn't understand. So I'll give you <laughs> that's why I'm like, I'm like, I, I think I don't get it. <laughs> All right, Daniel, so maybe, I had I had one more lawyer question for you. Uh, given given the evidence available, do you think that you could have got uh, OJ Simpson convicted for the in the trial of um, Nicole and uh, Ronald Goldman? Yeah, anybody could. All okay. you had to do all you had to do was call out Johnny Cochran for violating the uh, rules of professional ethics regarding uh, closing and opening arguments because he got away with. I guess I should say pun intended murder, um, but you're not allowed to make uh, a closing argument about somebody other than the person that is on trial. And if you ever watch that again, he made it about the city of Los Angeles and the racial inequalities and the mistreatment of black people over a 20 year period. And that's a good way to confuse a jury or piss off a jury to do something that they shouldn't do. So there's your answer. You are incredibly well prepared for questions that you honestly have no idea are coming. I applaud you. You've you've bobbing Listen, and weaving. As long as it's not baseball re related, I can make you think I know what I'm talking about. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I gave you uh, so saves. So saves. They're if the glove more... fits, you must acquit. And I want to say that OJ Simpson, I, I I am a fan. I think he is a man of integrity, and uh, yeah, I mean, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Okay. Works for me. All right. So saves. <laughs> what were you saying about closers? Saves. They're captured way more this year than last year. So we've captured 70% of the saves uh, that available this year in 2023 in main events. Whereas last year we captured 62 across the whole year. I guess same idea, right? Um, okay. Closers now I think I know what you're talking about a little same bit. Same concept, right? <laughs> like there's a lag between identifying the new closer, getting them on and getting them in your starting lineup. So you're going to miss some of those saves when like the first week those guys sort of quote unquote become the closer. Um, do you, or do you think it's because just like those good closers are just more safe this year? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't have, <laughs> I, I think, I think what you're saying is it's going to back up what I'm saying is, Regardless of what managers say about mix and match, I've noticed a lot more guys have been, call it, it's kind of a return to the past or the more recent past where you have full-time closers. As an example, uh, the White Sox said that they would mix and match, right? Well, until Lopez started falling off, he was clearly the closer. It wasn't shared with Bummer. It wasn't shared with Graveman. Uh, Puck is another one. Um, Mattingly, maybe last year, he would have stuck with Bender if he performed. But I think managers are, you know, bullpens are fickle. And if a guy's performing in that ninth inning, they're realizing, hey, maybe there's something to that. Same thing with the Cardinals. Marmol said at first, I'm going to mix and match. And then all of a sudden, the last half of last year, he made Helsley the full-time guy. And other than being a moron and trying to get fired, thankfully, in the series against the Angels, he's kept Helsley in the, in the ninth inning. So I don't know if it's across the board, but I, I feel like um, there's been a lot more guys that managers have 
stuck in that role, regardless of what they're saying, more this year than the trend that's been going on the two to three before that. That's fair. So I got a question on um, the ERA and WHIP. So I looked at well, the e- real quick. I want to add on to that because I'm going to jump in here. We have uh, ten minutes here total, Mike. Well, real quick. Okay. It's, I actually mean this. So the other thing I also think there's a lot of people already kind of holding on and streaming the second next in line guys, hoping for the backup saves because a lot of people are chasing them too, either injuries or the fact that like underperformance people are already like king was on rosters and probably streamed for that save and uh what uh cano another guy probably on rosters and streamed for his saves just because of ratios and you're about to get into that and the need for just the need for saves because there's a lot of player teams like myself like goes back to having holmes and estevez estevez has been great but not at first but it goes back to like well people are like next people are pretty much already holding on to the next in line guys knowing because it's probably like goes back to what daniel's saying that it's very much like you kind of have a better idea of even if it's not a full-time gig you know who the other guy that is sharing it is is and they're most of them are worth rostering especially on better teams so those guys are already being rostered and streamed for saves most likely to help with ratio control and just to try to get the saves up early when you're chasing them one last point i think if you want uh one example of why it's kind of changed uh look at the rays they were the ones that everybody looked to as a team that never stuck with a full-time guy and as a pissed off Fairbanks owner and the world revolves around me in a negative way, it wasn't until he got hurt that the Rays started winning by at least three or less games. But whether it was Fairbanks before or uh, Adam, is it Adam or Adam? I don't know. Uh, I think it's Adam. I think Adam. it's just Adam. He's clearly, I mean, they, they threw him, what, four out of six days? Um, and only one of those was, if it wasn't a tie game, he, he could have had four saves last week and I would have really gone on tilt. So, I mean, <laughs> Every guys that I'm thinking of, uh, Zach, don't you don't you think that the pattern of, ma- of manager usage has, in a way, had a market change this year than last? Yeah, I, I didn't think about it like that until you mentioned it, but I agree with you. Um, you want to talk about your boy Carlos Estevez at all? Because- yeah, you mean that I was right and I was brilliant, and everybody else was wrong. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, hey! I, I have them too, Daniel. Don't you don't you say everybody? Just. <laughs> I have to give I have to give my buddy George that credit though he was huge on Estevez and he no I, I I give you credit I saw I saw your post man I you, you were taking him too and I think I'll give you even more credit I think you were probably um, if I remember correctly you were one of the min guys in the main taking mm. him so I'll I jumped you... him like sixty plus picks I yeah think. I noticed that so I mean Estevez is an interesting example because it was very clear um, at the beginning that he he looked like uh, I don't know a disaster. But he very clearly came out early and said, look, I don't need to worry about my job. So, so if I if I needed to worry about it, I would be not doing this. I'm testing it. And everything that he said was backed up. They were teaching him to throw up at the zone. You know, you can come up with rationalizations that, hey, he's out of Colorado, so he's going to change how he does things. But every single thing he said, everything that Bud Black said, had been proven right. And it's early but his stuff looks good. Obviously, the difference between this year and last is command. But uh, yeah, so is he a fourth round pick next year, Mike? Is, is that safe to say? If he keeps up this pace, he's going to push for it. I, I always, I, I would put him like you know where Kenley right now, like where Kenley Holmes Bednar were kind of going in that what like the fifth, sixth round. I think I feel like that's where they were going. Five minutes, right. right? I think that's where he would fall right now. But like you mentioned, a fourth, fifth round pick. He if he keeps this up at the rate he's going, and he looks absolutely elite. How, how many right innings now. has he thrown? But overall, I, I think I just he's know, what, 
13, 15. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't, I, I do not, if I think if we, if we redrafted now, he doesn't go that high. Like he needs, you don't think he'd be there. You don't think he's he'd there be with where, 10 league. He doesn't have the well, record, man. Where, where Holmes was going. Holmes doesn't have a track record. Look where he was going. I was all yeah, right. I think he go, I think he go, I think he go where home. I think him and Holmes could switch spots. Well, they were, one well, of Holmes the other top 100 pick. Yeah. One of the other interesting things to say at the year is if what we're noticing is true, um, that there's more full-time guys than before, that means that the prices are going to be deflated next year compared to this year. True. So, But, but uh, conversely, it also means that there's going to be um, less saves to stream on waivers. Like, you're not going to get any half-saved guys uh, on waivers. But let's go to the ratios just quickly over here. So yep. last year, 2022, the average whip and ERA in the main event was lower than both of the average, uh, both of the average whip and ERA across the baseball landscape, which makes sense because better players are rosters, you're rostered. You're not rostering shitty players. So those shitty players are going to drag down the ratios, whatever, right? That makes sense. However, this year you can say the same thing about the whip, but the, but if you look at starting pitchers and relief pitchers, um, that whip and ERA was, was always better than both the starting pitchers and relief pitchers across baseball. 2023 the average era of all relief pitchers all relief pitchers including crappy ones that aren't rostered is lower than the average era in main events so that leads the that leads to the question should we be focusing on a relief pitcher strategy basically given i'm just in, in layman's terms given how shitty starting pitching is should we like look at relief pitching which is not a not the first time this question's been asked. I mean, it almost seems too easy, though. And yeah. I think the problem is, no matter how much you try to justify, well, the relievers are doing better, they're avoiding the blow-up innings, yada, 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 you still have a better percentage chance of getting wins from a starter. So if you're going to do the reliever strategy, you, you have to basically go into it punting wins. I just don't think you can do it any other way. Yeah, and to and just to back it up with more points, I agree. I agree with you um, for the for the time being. And when we get into the summer and we're starting getting <laughs> start getting pummeled more, maybe we change our mind. But um, by then, you build up a base, though. You build up, and that's the thing. At that point, are they less you reliable or less useful because now your ERA and WHIP take that much more to fix? You kind of, right now is where they have the most value for your ratios because right now every inning is heightened in terms of its value. Versus in three two months from now, you, your ERA and WHIP take a, like a full week to kind of fix one way or another. Honestly, wouldn't you say, give or take, given that amount, you need that much more. No, I'd say an inning, an inning now is equal to an inning later. I think I, I don't know if you're trying to say something. Well, I'm, I'm trying. What I'm trying to get at. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that like right now, you're setting your ratios up for the summer. You don't want to be playing catch up on ratios in the summer. That's really yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you there. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I agree with you there. So and that's where relief pitchers in the summer won't be as useful as what I'm arguing. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, in 2023, starting pitchers accounted for 61% of the wins so far. 61% in 2023. Um, you th we've seen a trend of pitchers going shorter into games, pitchers not getting in as many wins, but that number is higher than 2022. 2022, we saw 59% of starting of all wins attributed to starting pitchers. So this further, I guess, solidifies Dan's point where um, – yeah, you, you you're going into a punting win strategy because I'd say it'd be one thing if like, yeah, this trend is significantly trending downward. Starting starting pitchers are getting even less and less wins of, of the share of wins, but that's not, not that's not the case this year. So that's all. Really if anything, it it puts more emphasis than ever before on the value of hitting on streamers. Um, 
especially because so many guys are getting blown up early in games. You can't read anything into the second or third time of the lineup because guys are getting blown up first or second time. So I really think that a much better strategy than um, uh, the relievers is, is really still streaming, still a better way to go about it. All right. I want to talk about one last thing before we go, before we get into Jeopardy. I don't know if we're going to have time, but let's look at um, everyone says that this year is sort of like 2020, 2019, where like the, the, the ERA shit, it's the juice ball. The, the pitching is just as bad as 2019. And you look at, you can compare the, you can compare their ERA and ratio. So what, what I think, um, what I think is different about this year is that the top pitchers, so I looked at the top 180p starting pitchers. There's 30 pitchers that were in the top 180p in the main event this year that were starters. I think there's just been such a worse hit rate on those pitchers. So I've highlighted this and I've looked at the anyone's highlighted in red are basically injured pitchers. DeGrom, Woodruff, Freed, Rodon, Ray. Rodon's interesting because he was hurt before the drafts, but you see a lot of busts. Snell, Green, like ish, like not complete bust, but like way underperformed. Manoa, Cease, Wheeler before last night. These are stats go heading into last night. Alcantara, Scherzer, Nola. Just a lot, a lot of bad pitchers. Whereas I think in 2019, um, you saw, yeah, pitching was bad in general. But I'll show you that. I'll come to that tab in a second. I know that people listening can't see it. And I can maybe post it afterwards. But just looking at 2019, not too many busts in the top 180p. There is... There's a difference. There was only 25 pitchers going in the top 100 last year, whereas there was 30 this year. But the only injuries you had were Kluber, Carrasco, and Tyon in 2019. And they didn't really pitch. Those are the only players that didn't get 20 starts out of all the pitchers in the top 100. You had a couple of busts like near the end, David Price, Herman Marquez. But even but generally, everyone was good. Even like Bauer was the SP6 off the board. He had a 4.48 ERA, but he had 253 strikeouts. So, I don't know, Dan. Do you want Dan? Do you have any comments on this? And like, because I always hear this is like equivalent to 2019, but I think it's different. I think it's very top heavy. The disappointment this year compared to 2019, and I don't think people remember that. No, I, I don't. I, I don't see it as as anything similar to to 2019. Yeah. I think we're still figuring out what's different. I haven't read or seen uh, too much about the juice ball, but maybe I've missed something. But since people aren't talking about it, I don't think that's it. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you from what I've noticed uh, on a pure eye test thing, watching some of these blowups, and you're not going to be able to take anything from this, Zach. It's just kind of more of my kind of instinct gut from watching. I just feel like pitchers are missing spots so much more across the board than they have before. I mean, just grooving pitches in the middle. And I don't know if it, if w what that is or if there's anything to it. Um, maybe there's another thing with the hitters making different adjustments with all the different, you know, things that guys are trying. But my only conclusion is this is nothing like 2019. This is a whole new thing that we're still figuring out what's going on. Yeah. Mike, I think, I think, I think the new rules are really, it goes into that whole, like not only are pitchers missing spots, but part of that could be because of the pitch clock, obviously. I mean, that goes without saying, honestly. It's a good but point. The, 
but the pitch clock's causing pitchers to adjust and some have adjusted great. Some like guys, like I remember one of the first things I, I heard from an announcer was how like Kyle Gibson, his first start of the year, he moves, he works fast and hitters actually have to take timeouts consistently to keep him for, like to get him off his movement. So it's like certain pitchers are succeeding Shocker. more than Curler's others. referencing a guy that he owns in the main event. Shocker. Well, no, it happened to be a guy. Well, that's <laughs> I mean. let's, be, let's be honest though. Let's be honest. Would you be, would you watch a Kyle Gibson start if you didn't own him in the main event? No, I, exactly. <laughs> I'm not hey, it's his first main I, event. I wouldn't watch a start even if I did own him, honestly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I well, it was the first freaking start of the season. I was streaming him week one because I didn't want to take a zero. And I'm, I'm just talking with you, was, Mike. I'm just talking with you. But in all seriousness, so it just happened. Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't watch a Kyle Gibson start if he wasn't on my roster, and I haven't really watched many since because he I stream him from my bench anyway. But the thing was, is some pitchers are really good, and maybe that's what's helping Kyle Gibson succeed and be serviceable week in week out because he knows how to work within the rules, and they are benefiting him more than the average pitcher. So I'm thinking this pitch clock. We, we were worried about pitchers being able to pitch fast enough between innings, but what if it's just affecting them in terms of getting a feel for the ball or maybe missing their spots more because they have to rush a little bit. So I think there's that adjustment. Then I think I heard Eno mention there's less drag on the ball this year in a podcast. I could be wrong about that. I, I'm with you, Daniel. I've heard drag. a lot about it, but there's you less said, drag. You already said drag. Actually, uh, Mike, you made it, you made a good point. I don't know if you guys talked about it, but it's the first time I, I realized it. it. The only guys that had used to the pitch clock last year spent – would have been guys in the minor leagues last yep. year. Yep, and then um, you have you have these guys coming up and doing well, but they're comfortable. Well, I I think that's a great thing to deep dive on it because we're focusing on all those top guys that that do it. And obviously, like uh, Elder was good last year, but he's good this year. I kind of think that there'll probably be be numbers to back that up. Um, that guys that have had more experience with the pitch clock are having more early success or maybe correlate commands with guys that had experience with the pitch clock. I don't know, but it's the first time I thought about it. So it's a really and, good point. And then you have, um, what else? Like I mentioned, if Eno's correct about uh, less, less drag on the ball. And again, I believe that's where I heard it was on rates and barrels. So there's a little, little less drag, but not quite 2019 level, but then you have the shift rules, obviously like how, I've seen so many, and it goes back to watching the games, Daniel, like you mentioned the eye test. I've seen so many balls that were, that would have been ground outs last year or line outs. Had there been the guy in that shallow right field? For lefties, so there's a lot of that. I've seen so many bad Babbitt hits that have just pissed me off. The ball's just falling like they used to back in the day, like stuff you won't see because the shift used to be in place to a point where infielders could play the outfield a little bit and they'd and they'd be able to take some of those away. So I'm seeing a lot of bad. I'm seeing a lot of bad Babbitt luck. I'm seeing a lot of uh, fielders having to play their positions for the first time in years, and I think we're getting kind of that old baseball feel back. And these, hits, I wonder if, if we look into it more. Some of these pitchers that are more ground ball heavy or ground ball prone are those guys getting hit a little worse too this year because of it. And you're seeing, I've seen, I've noticed some pitchers have strain rates way up. Well, strain rates are up because there's more hitters getting on base than ever. So it almost makes sense that there's a correlation there in terms of strain rates being up more hitters getting on base. At least I believe there would be a correlation there. Cause. Okay. My so there's, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but here's the thing. These are the, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dog pounds waiting as soon as Mike's done his rant here. Well, the thing is those, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, there are so many new things that we need to try to take into account when it comes to analyzing the game. And, we're going to be behind because that's just what we need more of a sample, but it is what it is. Like it's, it's just one of those things that I think there's more to it than just bad pitching. I think there's a lot of micro factors that these, these players have to adjust to and get used to and teams have to adjust to and get used to. And you're starting to see teams kind of do it. Like their shifts. You're, you're noticing the guys sit right on that, li that middle line where they're, where they're like almost for reverse righties. It's probably more effective than lefties. Cause you know, you can't take that whole area, but you're seeing teams kind of learn and shift around, but at the end of the day, the new rules I think are playing the biggest part. Not to mention there are some bust factors in the early rounds. Like these old guys are probably falling off a cliff. The question is, who let the dogs out? 
All right, we got the dog pound coming up, but I want to just mention one thing without opening up another can of worms by mentioning this. Oh, <laughs> if you look at all the busts this year that I've put in in blue, and you think the new rules, oh, it's gonna it's gonna be good for the strikeout pitchers. Look at the player. Look at the strike. Look at the pitchers that have underperformed in the top 180p. Nola, Scherzer, Cease, Manoa, Snell, Hunter Green. All these guys were the strikeout guys, and you thought, okay, uh, these guys are going to benefit relatively to others uh, for the rules, and they've all been shit. Um, more like give or take. Scherzer, Nola, Snell, Green, Cease. Those. That's the profile that you'd want to target if you just thinking logically. I don't know. I said I didn't want to open up a can of worms, but maybe I did. Or we'll we get to that in a moment. Uh, it's time for the dog pound. And I have a special announcement tonight. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who? That's right. This is Rick Poundstone, and it's time for the dog pound. And I'm going to invite my friend in, who I now have developed, I guess, a bit of a kinship with, you would say, that debuted on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Here he is. I, I call him doctor. It is Dean Karn. Dean, come on in, and why don't you tell everybody what we've got going on here now? Well, uh, you know, I want to thank you, brother, and I want to say that I, I'm proud to be here yet again. This is Dean Karn, uh, you know, actor, doctor, whatever it is you want to call me, shaman. There's a lot of things that I do, and I just want to remind everybody, you know, we've, we've had a lot of discussions here tonight. Let's make fantasy baseball fun again. You know, we've got Mike uh, kind of foaming at the mouth here, saying a bunch of stuff that in the long run really isn't going to matter all that much. You know, we've got uh, Mr. Prep is here, who I, I, I very much value, and I, I think maybe off the air, maybe we'd want to uh, make a connection here. But I want to say... I'll send you a fee agreement. That that would be beautiful. And, and right. I, I want to say, uh, you know, my, my friend Rick here, Rick Poundstone, has got a lot of pain in his life. He's had a lot of bad things happening to him here over the last calendar year. So I sat Rick down last night, and I said, what would make you happy? And he said... I want I want to have more friends. He said something to that effect. Okay. And I want to say, you know, in the fantasy baseball community that I want to make fun again, we've got a lot of people saying things like, oh, we need to be more inclusive. Let's bring in the women. You know, let's bring in this and that and all these other odd type of people. Okay. And I say, why stop there? Why stop at the women? Let's bring in the dead. So I sat Rick down, and I said, let's do it, Rick. We said a prayer, and I, I, I lit some incense and some candles, and we held hands. And before you know it, the gentleman that I want to bring in right now appeared right before our very eyes. Are you ready, sir? Here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lou Bob Woolsworth. Back from the dead. I think I think this show has gone too woke for me, and that's a pun intended on that one. So that one went every, over everybody's head. So that was a mess. <laughs> I, I don't even know what we're doing. So you you yeah. uh, this is par for the course on this show, Daniel. Like I, <laughs> they brought me on, and for the first sure. time in a long time, and I'm like, yeah, this is about sure. what I expected. Rick, did you um? I just wanted to make an announcement that Lou Bomb Woolsworth is back. We had a seance last night, Dean Karn and myself, and my friend Lou Bomb has returned. Uh, he is back from the deceased uh, for the second time. 
And I, I just wanted to say that, uh, yes, that, that's what we've done here tonight. And I want to thank Dr. Dean Karn for not only upping my testosterone, uh, but also bringing back my friend from the dead. I'm on Jeopardy tonight? Hold on. Okay, we, got, we, got, we got Jeopardy. We got four categories. Ooh. And we got literally five minutes to get through this, and then we're done. So the show's over. I got to leave. So we got the, you got the Jeopardy music, boys? Or you just, you just chime in whenever you want to chime in. Wait, why am I on Jeopardy? Okay. You're, I'm a cat- you're, you're a category, Mike. I- I'm excited. Is, is there hard eye emojis involved? Uh, no. Oh, well, then I'm not excited anymore. All right. So the first category is Mike Curlin. The second category is Yancey. The second cat- third category is Van Lee. And the fourth category is John Anderson. So we'll give uh, control of the board to um, Dan. He just got here. So he's, he's our guest. We'll give Dan the, the control of the board. He can pick the category. Uh, I'll go with Mike Curlin for a hundred. Okay, this category is um, people that everyone seems to have way too much exposure to. So he's just like, he's just too. I'm, I'm supposed to pick a player that people are. No, I got a question for it. So, oh, among, okay. uh, so they, I don't know if you understand the, the category, which is just people that are just too exposed, just too out there, and like doing too much. Oh, okay, don't want to see him anymore. That used to be me. That's not me anymore. I do like three things. I just tweet a lot. Shut up. I hate you. That, that's that's <laughs> it. That's the thing. Okay. So um, <laughs> you're, okay. What's the um, answer? Among qualifiers, he is the he has the highest ERA over the last five seasons, like in a single season. Uh, but the only player with uh, an ERA over five point two and an xFIP under four. So over the last five years, he has the highest single season ERA uh, among qualifiers. But he has an ex-fip under four. And he's somebody Herman Herman Marquez. Good guess. He was uh that was um not quite not the highest ERA, but you're right. He did have an ex-fip under four in 2019. Um and he did have a high ERA. Um, but nope, that's not the answer. Okay. It's a player that people have like I would imagine they would think they have too much exposure to this year, or you'd regret you'd you'd regret the exposure. John Manaya? Nope. All right, I give up. Anyone else with a guess? Rick, Rick Bjorn, anyone? The answer is um, a slob, Lance Lynn. Lance, Lance Lynn. Lance I got Lynn. it. You got it? Okay, so Rick, you got you got points. You got 100 points there? Okay, you got control of the board, Rick. Okay, now that I got control of the board after getting the Lance Lynn, who I would certainly have a man's movie night with, let's go with uh, Manly, quote-unquote, Van Lee. Christ. Okay. So these are those on mental health breaks that are irrelevant to fantasy. Okay, so um, <laughs> despite a K rate under 15%, both of the last two years, he hasn't hit a home run since 2021, mainly due to not playing. Anybody Austin just, Meadows. yeah. Hmm? Austin Meadows. Yeah, you're right. How did you know? That was the layup. Yeah, that was, yeah. I know. I, th- I wasn't sure if we were waiting for. Uh... This is Dr. Dean Karn. I would just like to say, and uh, my diagnosis is so your diagnosis of Austin Meadows. Dean, we'll save it. Go ahead, boys. Okay. So, Dan, you got control of the board. I think Curlin got it. We'll give Curlin and Dan because they both got that answer. So, they both no. got 100. I don't, well, are we giving out participation awards here? What the hell's going on? It's fantasy baseball. Of course, we are. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a fantasy baseball analyst. Isn't that what you want? <laughs> I used to. I used to. <laughs> this, this isn't the NFBC. Okay, anyways, just go. Um, who's got control? Prep has got control. I'll go with uh, Yancey for 100. Yancey for 100. Okay. 
So yeah, see, these are people that probably shouldn't switch, uh, shouldn't switch hit and go back to their natural side. And obviously, and this is obvious to everyone. Okay, this player again um, has a 440 uh, slash 186 split. So he's hitting 440 from the right hand side and 186 from the left hand side this season, favoring his right side. I know who this is. This is uh, um, oh. Wizard of Oz, Al, uh, Applebee's. Oh, there you go. This is like the third ever question Rick Poundstone has got correct. So, Rick, you got control <laughs> of the board, uh, and you know, there's only one ca- one category left. I sat Rick down last night. This is Dr. Dean Karn, and I said, I-, I put my hand up to your head, and it's empty. So I brought his friend back. Let's go with uh, Pig Anderson for 100 John Anderson for 100. These are those um, who excel in underlying metrics but suck at fantasy. Um, this player has the most horizontal movement on his four-seamer and has an excellent K-walk percentage but has sucked this year. And he's on the Cincinnati Reds. Ah, oh, Nick Lodolo. Yeah, Rick is on fire tonight. I just That's- won Jeopardy! <laughs> Rick, won- Rick won Jeopardy, and uh, that's it for the podcast. I need to leave, but we... My uh, best friend is back. We need to thank Daniel Preface. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for showing up late, and uh, (laughs) better late than never. You're you're a wizard with your words, and uh, God bless you. And we have Mike Curlin, a a, a separate other Jew on the show. (laughs) I didn't think Jews believed in God, but... <laughs> oh, we got, we, again, we got too many of them on this show. Um, hey, Zach, you you never commented on my uh, one of my team names for my OCs. I thought you'd see. I don't. I'm in 135 leagues. Do you think I've seen well, only one people? that I'm in with you? Makes okay, me still. still <laughs> what's, what's, what's your team name? <laughs> my my OC team names are Conniption Schwitz. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Jason Kipnis being um, um, active would make that better. True. You can email me at dean.carn at shaman.com. And I've got a whole cavalcade of books. And I'm going to get your mind right, everybody. See you guys. All right. Thanks, Dan. Later. I'm getting out of here, too. This is this mess. All right. See you, Carlin. Thanks for coming on. All right. Brought to you. Goodbye. (laughs) You want to, Bjorn? Goodbye. Yeah, we'll see you later. Looks like they're all gone. Okay, do you want to want to lead us out? Yeah, sure. Uh, this has been the Draft Champions podcast. Consider uh, no trade, no trade la- leagues on the NFBC. We do not support trades. We do not support man meat leagues. NFBC, check us out. <laughs> okay, see you guys. Okay, welcome to the Draft Champions After Hours. We're here with the um, um, Rotowire crew, like the, the, I guess, the B squad. We'll just call it as it is. They're the B squad. We're going to ask them how they feel on pitcher wins. They did a whole podcast on pitcher wins, and they're going to come talk to me and um, give some really high level analysis on pitcher wins and how to sort of navigate that in the high stakes landscape. So take it away, guys. I mean, in general, you're looking for. Uh, we all know that wins are just so fluky, um, but in general, you're going to want to target guys on good teams who ideally pitch deep into games. Yep. Thanks. That's really groundbreaking um, advice on wins. Um, I think everyone should be taking notes on that. 
Um, but let's talk about Bryce Harper. He's back in record time from that modified Tommy John. Are you worried about him um, re-injuring that elbow as a hitter? Like, he can't um, re-injure it when he's hitting. We've seen other position players return, and they're fine hitting. Um, but the worry is, like, he was practicing different ways to slide. The worry is that he could rupture it again on a slide or, like, some kind of contact play with an infielder while he's running the bases. Okay, but wait a second. He's standing at the plate, and which arm is exposed to the pitcher? Like, think about this. It's not rocket science. Like, no one's talking about this, right? And he also throws right-handed, so the right elbow would be exposed to the plate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be a worry, I would think. But, I don't know. It... But the doctors let him play, right? They're, they're doctors, right? If he gets cleared from the doctor, I guess that we shouldn't... If the doctor's not worried about it, we shouldn't p- try to play a Twitter doctor like a lot of people do. Dave, let's hear from Todd Zola on this. Todd, you're here. Um, what do you think? Like, is it more of a risk of him hitting or sliding? Like, what are your thoughts on this? And, like, you know what? Like, doctors have cleared him, right? So, what do you think? I'm not – the plate, I'm not worried. We've talked about this because this kind of fascinates me. Uh, I'm not worried about Harper at the plate. It's it's Harper sliding. That's the concern, diving back to first, sliding into second. And they're tra- – they're, they're, Dr. Neil Atrache, they he's on top of it. And if the doc says you're good to go, then you're going to be good to go. Thanks, Todd. But I, and I know, I know Curlin's right here, but who's your favorite member of the Gaining the Edge Patreon? Brian Enkrin. What? Brian, Brian Enkrin? It's Brian Entrican. Can you can you not say his name? Uh, Casey Bubba. Uh... All right, whatever. We've, we've talked a lot about, like, the... The, the, the macro landscape in this this podcast, you guys that were listening on the panel, do you have any questions um, about like the macro landscape? Like particularly like the we talked about the ERA and WHIP of um, starters and relievers. Right? Do you have any questions on that? I, I got a question for you two. Uh, you know, not that it's on the rundown or anything, but it's something I've noticed. Do you guys have any explanation why the first inning ERA league wide is an absolute disaster this year? It's higher than any other inning in in the in the splits. Um, the top of the order hits in the first inning, always. So those are generally generally the best players, the best hitters that are difficult to pitch against, right? Um, in my 12-team auto new league, uh, the median ERA is 3.87. Um, are you serious? Like, what does that mean? That means nothing. That's like telling me, like, the ERA in like Ian Khan's like actor studio twelve team dynasty league. You know what I mean? <laughs> in my twelve team AL only league. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna get a number in the fours. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's uh, four, three. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, what, next year, to, like, tell me, like, how you're doing in these leagues? Like, what place you're in and stuff like that? Um, so, uh, and by the way, I'm in third place and uh, have a decent amount of Ks and saves and doing well, but I have a 5-5 five, five ERA. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, like, that's um, that's great, but let's move on. Um, Maddie Wood, Maddie, Maddie Davis, um, you heard Curlin say that he's in first place in his main event. 
Um, you rooting for him? Uh, with the anxiety, so I've actually turned my changed my tune on him. I'm I'm rooting for him. Um, anybody that's uh, willing to admit that they've you know are dealing with mentals, got the mentals. You gotta you know push it to the side a little bit and more and care about yourself. So um, I'm I'm rooting for him. Okay, let's bring it home here. One last question. I'm going to throw it out to two, to two really good players, Mike Mager and Rob DiPietro. You do a lot of prep. You do a lot of drafts. You spend a lot of money on fantasy baseball. But at the end of the year, you just want to throw it all down the toilet. Throw it all down the drain and do a draft and just take players that you didn't want all year. What do you call it? Do you call it a FOMO draft, fear of missing out? Or do you call it a YOLO draft, you only live once? Please tell me which one it is. Everyone wants to know this. Um, I think each one of us has kind of succumbed to doing a draft after Vegas, and that's kind of like our our uh, FOMO draft to some extent. It's a YOLO draft, you know? 